Thanks everyone for listening. I received unbelievably positive feedback about my CT101 episode, which was meant to cover direct critical thinking issues. I also received numerous requests to do a similar episode on logical fallacies. So here it is, CT102 Logical Fallacies. There is probably no new information here. I assume at some point in time this information was presented to almost everyone. But it was probably years ago, and why bother remembering when forgetting feels so good? I'm not certain how many logical fallacies there are. I know there's a lot. I'm not even going to try to cover them all. Just the ones that I can remember from a class I had 15 years ago. So what is a logical fallacy? It sounds complicated, like you should be doing mathematical proofs. Well, there are scientific notations used for logic, but you don't really need that in your day-to-day life. Logical fallacies are quite simple. They are about reaching a conclusion when you don't really have any evidence to support that conclusion. This is very different from reaching an incorrect conclusion. If, as a homicide detective, I find a single red hair on a victim's body and conclude that red-headed Fred killed this person, I've committed a logical fallacy. I know Fred has red hair. I've found a red hair on the victim. I am reaching the conclusion that, therefore, he killed this person simply because I found a correlation. Note, Fred may actually have committed the crime, but I don't have enough information for that yet. So logical fallacies aren't about being right or wrong, it's about whether or not you're using the evidence correctly to reach your conclusion. Fred may have seen the victim right before the murder. That might explain the hair. Also, not all redheads are Fred. The murderer could be a different redhead. The hair might not belong to Fred or the murderer at all. Yes, this sounds like a stupid example. And yet this type of fallacy is committed all the time. If many of the forensic shows I watch are to be believed... It's not unrealistic for people to be convicted of a crime on equally flimsy evidence. Okay, now, I wish I could remember this guy's name, and so consider I'm lying or misinformed, but but there was an episode of of American Justice where this man was convicted of murder because in his garage they found the exact rope used to tie up a murder victim. Through extensively boring forensic evidence, they matched the marks of a cutting tool in his garage to the same marks on the rope on the victim, as well as to the marks on the spool of rope in his garage, meaning they knew that his tool was used to cut this spool of rope in his garage, which was used to tie up the victim. The conclusion should be that the killer used this guy's garage. It may or may not have been him. I don't know. So let that be a lesson to you to lock up your garage. If your neighbor uses your lawnmower to commit a crime, you may suffer for it. Logical fallacies can ruin your life. So, let's begin. Let's go down the list of logical fallacies. The first I'll go into is known as attacking the person, or ad hominem. This is discrediting the person to prove how wrong his argument is. Hey, did you know Hitler used to paint paintings of buildings? Yeah, but he killed millions of people, so his paintings couldn't have been any good. The fallacy is just because he killed people means he can't paint? These two have nothing to do with one another. In addition, he painted these pictures when he was younger, before he started his rampant killing spree. Had he been more successful at it, we might have a different history. Hey, did you see that movie, An Unfortunate Truth? I was unaware there was so much data about how bad global warming actually is. Yeah, but that was done by Al Gore. He thinks he invented the internet. You can't trust anything he says. Again, you're trying to attack the person instead of the argument. Whether or not Al Gore thinks he invented the internet is irrelevant to whether or not global warming is occurring. I know, I know. The idea here is to say that he's lied in the past, therefore he'll lie again! Yeah, okay, Uh, all those who never lied, raise your hands. 
Okay, now, all of those who always lie, raise your hand. Humans lie. Humans make mistakes. We don't constantly lie, and we don't constantly make mistakes. We're not Klingons having our sins be suffered by seven generations. Just because someone was wrong about something in the past doesn't mean they can never be right. Wasn't that the whole point of the boy who cried wolf? If you make too many mistakes, eventually people won't trust you, even when you're right. The boy was right. And didn't the wolf wind up maiming five people? Facts do not become more or less true because the person telling them is more or less noble. When a compulsive liar says the sky is blue, you can question their ability to be truthful. But at the end of the day, the sky is blue. Their condition of frequently lying doesn't change the facts. You can hate the person, but you can't judge the facts they repeat based on their character. A bad character should only be a sign that you must consider their evidence more carefully simply because they've known to be deceitful in the past. Hey, the, the other day at church we were told that the Catholic Encyclopedia says that Easter was originally a pagan holiday, and only later was Jesus' resurrection associated with it. Originally it was to celebrate the goddess uh, Easter, Eoster, spelled E-O-S-T-E-R. Yeah, but Catholic priests sodomize little boys. Catholics can't be right. Praise Jesus! Again, you're trying to discredit the source rather than the information. Yes, some priests have sodomized little boys with their perfect ruby starfruits. But that doesn't mean that they don't know their own history. Being a pervert and being a liar are two completely and unrelated concepts. You can be one, the other, both, or neither. Actually, you're also committing a hasty generalization here, too. This is committed every single day by 90% of the people out there. Get it? The logical fallacy of hasty generalization is a statistical problem when you make assumptions about the entire population based on just a small sample. Huh? Okay, your neighbor has two kids, and you see them both picking their noses and eating of the gooey fruits within. You conclude that all children pick and eat from their noses. You were basing this on two kids? That's not a large enough sample to draw that conclusion. Yeah, that's kind of gross. Let me pick a different example. You work as a tech support agent at a cable company, and your company has just issued this brand new shiny cable box to many of your customers. During the first week, you get three phone calls from angry customers who says the new cable boxes have stopped working. You think, these boxes must suck. The damn things are already broken. That's it, I'm going on an office killing spree. <laughs> Well, the boxes may in fact suck. How many customers did you give the boxes out to? Let's say 3,000. And out of that you get three failures? Ooh, maybe it's not as severe of a problem after all. You've hastily generalized that all the boxes suck based on your observations of a very, very small percentage. In this case, 0.1%. If you say that most Catholic priests are child fornicators, where are you getting the most part? There's been over 4,000 cases! 4,000! That's a lot! How many Catholic priests are there? I don't have that information. But the best I could find was around 50,000 or so in the U.S. Based on that number, that would mean around 8%. A significant number, to be sure. But not enough to say most. Quite a bit off from most. In fact, it's around 42% off from most. The likelihood of being violated at the altars is fairly low. I'm not saying we know the exact numbers, but of the numbers we do know, it's not most. I can hear you now. Yeah, but those are the only ones we know of. Yes, but I can't reach a conclusion from information I don't know.
Yes, you can. You know some of them are getting away with it. Well, actually, no, I do not know that. If I knew that, it would have been presented in the statistics. That is an appeal to ignorance, and it's the next logical fallacy. It's the concept of reaching a conclusion because the information isn't known, or no one else has a better explanation. It's sometimes called the burden of proof. How about this for an example? I am getting a vision. I know who killed this woman. Who? Uh, Fred. I don't think Fred would have killed her. Jack, come on. The gypsy said Fred killed her. Do you know he didn't kill her? No, I wasn't at the crime scene at the time. Ah, you see? Fred killed her. Yeah, Fred must have killed her. Let's get him. That sounds incredibly stupid, doesn't it? Well, here's the same basic example, but a little different. I've heard this dozens of times. God created the universe. Prove it. You're here, aren't you? Yeah. Do you know how you got here? Well, I don't know, but I have some ideas. No, I said, do you know how you got here? No, but I don't... So that proves it! God created you! As I've said in the past, an acceptable answer is, I don't know. Ignorance is the beginning of wisdom. Why did I say it like that? Just because you've got a hypothesis, and no one else does, doesn't make your answer correct. Especially when others also have a hypothesis. Hey, I woke up in the middle of the night last night and heard a ghost! How do you know it was a ghost? What else could it have been? I don't know. The camera I hid in your bedroom failed mysteriously last night. So it must have been a ghost! What camera? It is an appeal to ignorance and a logical fallacy to reach conclusion simply because you or someone else can't explain something. You might as well conclude that your iPod is magic if you don't know how not gates and hard drives work. And I'm sure many people do conclude that. Behold the magical iPod! So what's next on our list? How about false correlation, or post hoc? This is kind of similar to hasty generalization. It's saying that two or more things occur together, therefore one is the cause of the other. For example, Hey, did you know that 75% of rapists read pornography? That must mean that pornography causes rapism! Because they both occur, you cannot conclude porno is the cause of rape. For things of this nature, I always like to apply the old ketchup rule. That is, substitute ketchup for the supposed bad thing and see if it still rings mostly true. So we'd have, Hey, did you know that 75% of rapists eat ketchup? That must mean that ketchup causes rape. It wouldn't be a stretch to say that 75% of people eat ketchup. But would that be the cause of rape? I doubt it. For false correlation, you should always ask for the reversed number. If 75% of rapists read porn, what percentage of porn readers are rapists? There's your answer. Now, I don't have that information, but I will say I've never been convicted of rape. Correlation doesn't provide the cause. Remember, we all breathe oxygen, so is that the cause of teen pregnancy? 100% of teens have been found to breathe oxygen at some point of their life. Again, turn it around. How many people who breathe oxygen are pregnant teens? I don't have this information, but I will say that I'm not a pregnant teen. Here's another example of false correlation. I prayed for money, and then I found a $20 bill on the ground. My prayer was answered. That's great. Congratulations. You can now get that velvet painting of the Last Supper. Maybe your prayer was answered. However, just because you asked first and then found something afterwards doesn't mean that your prayer was the cause of finding the money. Why not? Again, turn it around. How many times did you find $20 without asking? But more importantly, how many times did you ask and not get $20? Don't remember that, huh? 
we fallible humans don't tend to remember a non-event. And asking for something and not getting it, that's a non-event. Whenever someone says that they had a premonition of something and then it happened, I ask them, how many times in the past did they just know something would happen and it didn't come true? If you can honestly say that you repeatedly pray for money and you repeatedly get it, then, then yes, I, your prayers might have been answered. Hallelujah! But getting your monthly paycheck doesn't count. Yeah, but most people believe in the power of prayer! Oh yes, uh, now you're appealing to the majority. And it's a logical fallacy. Appealing to the majority is when you conclude that if it's popular, it must be true. 50 million smokers can't be wrong. The Mazda 3 is better than a Lamborghini because more people bought Mazda 3s than Lamborghinis last year. Most people think Abraham Lincoln was the U.S.'s fifth president. Therefore, it must be true. That's why he's on the $5 bill, right? As I said in the last episode, the truth is not a popularity contest. More Mazda 3s are sold because it's more than $150,000 cheaper than the least expensive Lamborghini. Not because it's a better car. And I have no idea why so many people state Lincoln was the fifth president. But it certainly doesn't make it true. He was the 16th president. You can get a billion people to believe that you're transforming into beast from X-Men until you're blue in the face. It ain't gonna happen. That fallacy's fairly simple. I think we can all relate to that. So, what's next? How about the association fallacy? This states that it's erroneous to assign qualities of one thing simply because it's associated with another. You're not doing it right. You don't know anything about setting up a network. Well, neither do you, Dave. No, but I know Fred. He's like a network guru. He set up the network at Hyperglobal Copy Meganet's headquarters. That doesn't mean you know anything. But isn't Fred a murderer? Unless you've somehow found a way to absorb knowledge via osmosis, just hanging around people doesn't provide you with any information. They may educate you, but you're not an expert just because you know them. In that case, it's used for positive purposes, but it can also be used for negative. This is the obvious guilt by association. I'm not letting Dave set up my network. He's friends with that murderer. Remember, your neighbor could be a murderer, and you'd never know. But it's not just associations with people. It can be associations with concepts. That guy's gay, so he must be a child molester. He can't be scoutmaster. Either you let a straight guy be scoutmaster, or your children will be scarred for life. Homosexuality and child molestation are two completely different concepts. But some people erroneously associate them. And now you're bringing in false dilemma. Ugh, this one drives me batshit. At its most common form, it's simply saying you have one of two choices. That's the false dilemma. You rarely have only two choices. Sir, what would you like with your meal? Soup or salad? Well, in addition to the choices you presented me, uh, several other options are there. Uh, I could have neither. I could actually have both for a fee. Or I could get up and shoot the waiter and run out of the building screaming... Eh, that's just a silly example. But, uh, people use this all the time. We must stop driving cars or our planet is doomed. Those are not the only choices. For one thing, we could develop alternatives to gasoline. Or we could fill our trunks with carbon dioxide-eating bacteria. Or we could stop driving cars and then get hit by an asteroid the size of Central America. Both could happen. If you don't accept Jesus in your heart, your Lord and Savior, you're going to hell. Ah, uh, just refer you to Pascal's wager on that one. But what's worse is the false dilemma argument is used all the time in daily speech when you have absolutely no evidence. Hey, that bitch cut me off! Which one? There, the one that looks like B.R. through in a convertible. She's either stupid or on the phone. Hey, uh, maybe she's drunk. Maybe she's having a heart attack. Or maybe she simply doesn't care. Or maybe she forgot to look. Or maybe she's stupid, and on the phone, and having a heart attack. 
Or maybe she's trying evasive maneuvers trying to get away from that nude bald guy lobbing used band-aids from the turn lane. You see, there's almost always more than two possible reasons or solutions. But false dilemma doesn't just mean saying it's one or the other. It's when you neatly compartmentalize things into limited choices, when there are other choices. It can be equally false with three, four, or 108 choices. It's at its worst when it says there's only two choices, this or that. And the worst thing about this false dichotomy is it turns the world into a black or white playing field, where either this is good or this is evil. We're all familiar with the phrase, the lesser of two evils. There you go. We know our choices are usually evil and eviler. So whenever you hear somebody say, it's either this or that, just ask yourself, are there really no other options? If nothing else, can they both happen? What about neither? So what's next on our list of things not to admit to in public debates? How about the one that describes that heartless dancer traversing a yellow boulevard of dried clay? Straw man. Straw man comes in numerous forms. The basic idea is to exaggerate your opposing idea, to make it sound ridiculous, or to distort it so no one would ever disagree with you. Suicide should be legal. So, I guess we just let everybody knife themselves in the eye every day. Who's going to be left to pay the blood disposal fees? That particular one I think is funny because I've heard it before. All I can say is that when I'm finally ready to check myself out, I'm not worried about the prison time my corpse will be serving for my crime. I'm suggesting that no one is reluctant to commit suicide because of law. If it were legal, I think it would be ridiculous to think people would be sitting at home reading the paper of the newly repealed law and then suddenly jumping up yelling, Hills, yeah! They finally legalized it! I'm coming, Elizabeth! Here I come! <laughs> That's the straw man argument. No one wants everybody to have knives in their eyes. In this respect, it's often similar to false dilemma. The difference is that straw man does so by means of exaggeration or misrepresentation of the facts, whereas false dilemma usually has valid choices, it just omits other equally valid choices. I should be able to smoke wherever I want. <coughs> oh, and I suppose you like your babies with extra black lungs while they vomit next to your flaming coffin nail? Well, when you say it like that, I would like to put my ash out in your hair. You're leaving out other valid solutions and jumping straight to something absurd. Maybe the person just wants to smoke in any location, but not necessarily blow smoke rings around Junior's nose. But that brings up babies, and babies often bring an appeal to emotion. Appeal to emotion is the next fallacy. This comes in all forms of emotion. Fear, joy, terror, guilt, dread, apprehension. Did I say fear? Buy our car, because you don't want to be crying over your dead baby's lifeless body along the highway. You don't really say whether your car was going to prevent dead babies, and you surely didn't provide evidence that it would reduce the quantity of deceased offspring. You just imply dead babies are a bad thing. Advertisements use this one a lot. They show some happy mother feeding her kids a chocolate-covered giant chocolate chip with a speck of granola stuck to the underside, and she says, As a mother, I care about what type of food goes into my children. That's why I give my kids Pilgrim Oats snack bars. There's a real oat just stuck right there on the bottom of each one. And now try our new antibacterial snack bars with an outer coating of hard candy to prevent 34% of oat-based food poisoning. They're trying to guilt you into buying a damn candy bar for your kids. They put some health word in front of it like light, spelled L-I-T-E, or Sunny Valley, or Nature's Rectum, and then try to make you feel guilty if you don't buy it because they cared, implying, if you cared, you'd buy it too. They don't even bother trying to argue what's healthy. They just 
say they care so they feed their family buffalo testicle brand hot dog buns. The buns as natural and soft as their namesake. And what logical fallacy did I just commit twice while making that point? Straw man! Yeah, that's what I'm talking about! See, I said they named their buns after animal balls because animal balls are natural and the granola balls are just solid chocolate. See? See? See how I'm like using the fallacies against themselves? I'm like, too wrong, make a right and all this circular logic kind of shit. Yeah, take that logic! Appealing to emotion isn't necessarily wrong. It's wrong when you have no evidence to back up your claim that the emotional thing is likely to occur. When you say you don't want to be peeling Sally's face off the asphalt, but it turns out that your car isn't any safer than any other car, well then, you're just appealing to emotion. Get it? If you don't accept Jesus in your heart your Lord and Savior, you're going to hell. You already said that. And that's an appeal to the emotion fear, as well as false dilemma. Yeah, mix it up, baby. But wait, that's a fact. How is that any different from if you shoot the president, you'll go to jail? Well, because it's not a fact. It is a fact that laws exist to punish murder, and we know that people have been sent to jail. That's the whole point. You're using your own argument to state your case. Hey, that sounds like another fallacy. Uh, circular logic. You say, if I don't believe in Jesus, I'll burn in hell. Well, if you're wrong about the second, you'll also be wrong about the first. Again, uh, I'll leave that whole argument for Pascal's wager. Here's another circular argument. You cannot win because you are a girl. Girls do not have the wheel of the warrior. Only those with the wheel of the warrior can win. You see, you don't give any evidence of why only warriors can win. I think we all know circular logic. Oddly, if you're using it, you're, you're not going to stop because the basic idea is you're trying to justify something you've already conceded is correct. Logic is correct because the real world obeys logic. Ghosts aren't logical. Therefore, ghosts don't exist in the real world. Yep, that's circular logic. I'm defining that logic is real, but then I say that ghosts violate logic, but supposedly are not in the real world. So if ghosts were real, then the real world wouldn't obey logic. Therefore, logic would be incorrect. Didn't you do an entire episode on how illogical ghosts are? So you used a logical fallacy of circular logic. Yes, I said ghosts weren't logical. But I didn't say logic was correct. I just said that ghosts are highly illogical. Now someone is going to go back and re-listen and prove me wrong. So if I did say it wrong, now you know what I meant. Of course ghosts are illogical. But if you don't believe logic, well, that opens the doors for a whole host of other issues that I won't go into here. Go look up Descartes. How about another common fallacy? I know it's common because the president of the Anti-Logic Defamation League is a good friend of mine. It's appeal to authority. My last episode was basically trying to discredit one place this fallacy is used frequently. The authority of historians. The idea of appeal to authority is that you state your source as above reproach or as an expert. This is kind of the opposite of attacking the person. I'm telling you, the head of the National Science Foundation says the Earth is over three and a half billion years old. Yeah, well, the head of the church, God, says it's only around 6,000. You see the problem with appealing to authority? You're not presenting evidence, but instead just saying someone more powerful or smarter than you agrees with you. First, they're experts in every field. Second, the very fact that you're having a debate with someone else probably means somewhere there's an expert that agrees with either of you. And lastly, experts can make mistakes too. Repeat the authority's evidence, not their conclusion. When you appeal to authority, you're saying... Your opponent isn't as smart as one of your supporters. 
but you're ignoring the fact that you might not be as smart as some of your opponent's supporters. How about this one? My doctor says it's cancer, so I'm going to kill myself now and get it over with. Damn those anti-suicide laws. Just because the doctor said it doesn't make it true. This is where the whole idea of the second opinion comes into play. You're thinking, but he's a doctor and he's studied this stuff for years. Maybe he knows more than you, but maybe he knows less than a different doctor. Think of all the commercials you've seen on TV where a doctor is shown saying, Flabidinol really will help you lose 58 pounds and you'll no longer sweat when you dial the phone. Just because of their status as a doctor doesn't mean they actually know anything about the topic. In fact, something I think is funny is that in many of those commercials, it just says doctor instead of medical doctor. This guy could be a doctor of gun repair. Doctor is a title meaning you hold a high degree, such as a doctorate. It doesn't necessarily mean it has anything to do with medicine, but I digress. I think where appealing to authority can be a non-fallacy is when you're appealing to an authority that would actually have direct access to the information, such as, I'm telling you, I met Robert Frost, and he said stopping by woods on a snowy evening is about stopping by woods on a snowy evening, not this obsession with death and darkness and ownership. In this case, the author was the source, and so he would know exactly what it's about. But here your evidence is that you directly know the source, that directly knows the answer. That's not the logical fallacy of appealing to authority. Had you said, you know a Harvard professor that agrees with you about the poem's meaning, that's appealing to authority. There's other popular, oft-used logical fallacies. Feel free to explore those on your own. The basic problem with all logical fallacies is that misdirection or irrelevant information is presented as evidence. The worst part about logical fallacies is that even when you point them out to people that use them, they usually come back with some sharp retort such as, Nuh-uh. Can't tell you how often someone has said something like, Only a rapist thief would do that. And I'm left thinking, You're so stupid to believe that, and I argue with you, then in your mind, I'm a rapist thief. So instead of straight denials, which rarely work, I try asking the person questions about other possibilities. I'll ask them, so there's no other reason a jar of Vaseline would be missing? Could it have possibly just been misplaced? Could it have been empty and, and thrown out by your significant other? Could a team of makeup artists needed to clean someone's face in an emergency? Could your dog have buried it? About the best you can do is to introduce doubt in their minds, because often when someone uses logical fallacies, they've already made up their mind. And they're just grasping at straws, or straw bag. I've been wrong many a time. I often reach incorrect conclusions. But I really try not to commit logical fallacies in a serious discussion. However, I often intentionally use humorous logical fallacies to make a point and a joke at the same time. Instead, I rely on ignorance and misinformation to blame for my errors. Ah, it feels good to be without blame. To me, logical fallacies are the worst mistake you can make. Because, basically, you're, you're lying to yourself. Above all else, to thine own self be true or something like that. And since I'm talking directly about logic, I'd like to point out that logic is not some god to be praised or worshipped. It is a tool for examining information. It is acceptable for multiple people to reach different conclusions, and each has committed no logical fallacies or logical errors. I may say we need to spend more money on space exploration because useful scientific and medical discoveries have been made and more will probably be made, as well as it's useful to push ourselves technologically as a society. 
But you may say that we're spending too much on space exploration, and that money could be more directly useful right now by helping to fund some other areas such as education or healthcare reform. You see, we, we disagree. Both sides have presented evidence of sorts without committing logical fallacies. And logic can fail us. The liar paradox that Captain Kirk used to destroy robots is an example of where logic fails. That's when you say something like, everything I say is a lie. Now, use this tool to find the truth. Bow down to Logistocles and offer burnt offerings, and he shall shoo you the way. <laughs> Two quick announcements and I'm out of here. Last week I asked if anyone knew how the British teach what Americans call the American Revolution. I only got one response, which basically said, it isn't even brought up. And if it was brought up, it was just glanced over. So there, what's massively important history to one country isn't even worth mentioning to another. Makes you wonder what your own country isn't teaching you. And the second thing, I've received several suggestions to put up a donation box. I sincerely appreciate the offer, guys, but keep your money. Use it to buy a new album or try a new book or keep the window open for another minute at the local peep show. I'm not doing this for profit. Good thing, too. I'll leave you with a quote from Albert Einstein. Why the hell do I have to end with a quote? Apparently, I'm trying to appeal to authority. My comments are worthless, but some dead white guy says something and, oh, it's golden. Anyway, Albert says to Mabel, he says, God does not care about our mathematical difficulties. He integrates empirically. Thanks to everyone for listening. You'll hear from me again in another three weeks. I gotta crawl back into my hole before the sun comes out. <laughs>